Amen. Good morning, Veritas. It's good to be here this morning with you. And if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you uh, are watching and joining us um, wherever you're at. And uh, this morning, you know, you can't talk about Jesus coming and not talk about joy, right? It's just so much a part of, Christ, uh, so much a part of Christmas. And this morning's uh, sermon, we really have three sections. Uh, we're going to talk about joy. But I want to talk about, one, what joy looks like. Number two, why you can have joy. And number three, how to cultivate joy. So number one, what joy looks like. Do you guys remember the ancient prophecy that we read a couple weeks ago? The answer is no, you don't. Because I, don't, I preached the sermon, and I, if I was sitting where you are, I wouldn't remember. So I'm going to remind you of what we talked about a couple weeks ago from Isaiah chapter 9. Look at this. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You have enla-, and he goes on, he says, you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. Spoils are like the, the profits you get after you win the war, right? It's the, after you win the big game, you get the trophy, the, the war, walking into that city and all of a sudden everything they had is now yours as the conquering army. That's incredible joy for the, the winning team. But so we have this prophecy of how people will respond when they receive the Messiah. Isaiah 9 is about this coming king. Remember the, the son of David, the, the one we've been waiting for since Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, this lineage of the son of David. He says when that happens, these people are going to rejoice as though at harvest time. All right, so what do we see? Is this prophecy fulfilled at the coming of Jesus? Well, look, remember the shepherds that that Eric just read about. Good news of great joy. And after these angels start shouting this message, good news, great joy for all the people, the shepherds go and they actually get to see Jesus. They get to see the Messiah. And they return, and Luke says about the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. They're leaving this nativity scene and they're just like, can you believe what just happened? I can't believe. They were glorifying God, praising him. We see the wise men in Matthew chapter two. It says, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. The wise men respond with overwhelming joy by falling to their knees and worshiping this, this baby. So we've got the responses of shepherds and wise men being overwhelmed with joy. The prophecy of joy was fulfilled. People rejoicing as at harvest time and as though they're dividing the spoils of war. This week, 
we caught on video a little uh, video of people who are overwhelmed as at harvest time and as dividing the spoils of war. Now, to give some context to this little video you're about to see, it's like, it's like a five or 10 second video. Okay, this is gonna be amazing. But what you're about to see here is these play schoolers, so a bunch of three-year-olds uh, that, that come during the week, they had worked their way up to three minutes, three minutes of quiet reading time. This is any like teacher's dream, uh, any parent's dream, like three-year-olds being quiet. And, and Miss Courtney had come up with a chart and she had been filling it up, working their way up to three minutes. Well, after they had done three minutes, Miss Courtney filled in the final uh, piece of the chart and announced that their goal was met and they would be getting a prize. And guys, this is the ultimate prize for a three-year-old, a cupcake party. Here's a video. This was the spontaneous response of the play schoolers after hearing about the prize. Okay, that's amazing. I mean, people hugging each other, running around the room. You've got a couple of kids that are still kind of confused because they're just more like dumbfounded. Like, what is a, a cupcake party? Are you serious? You know, I mean, just this picture of overwhelmed by joy. Overwhelmed by joy. So the first part is what does joy look like? If you're taking notes, you can just write down a cupcake party. Okay, that video is a picture of it. Now, here's the problem this morning. Many of us don't feel joy. We don't feel joy coming in this morning. And I know from my last few weeks, few months of just talking to you and walking with many of you through life that it doesn't feel like a cupcake party, so what do you do? In fact, this week in First Thessalonians 5, I was reading my Bible reading plan and came across uh, one of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. Do you know what it is? And you're, Jesus wept. Yeah, that's the shortest one. Uh, but probably next to it is rejoice always. First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. How do you do that? When your circumstances are not conducive for that, um, it's, there's no maybe no re- external reasons for having joy. What do you do? That's why this next part in section two of this message, I just want to answer the question or just this why you can have joy. I want to give you a, free, a, a few reasons why you can have joy This morning, regardless of what your circumstances are. Luke 2.10, in the verses that were read earlier, the angels announce good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Okay, the first reason why you can have joy this morning 
is because if you're taking notes, this point is just Jesus welcomes everyone. Jesus welcomes everyone. This is one of the reasons we say as a church that, that we're a come-as-you-are church. Like, we welcome you. We don't care where you are. In fact, we don't care where you're watching this morning. You could have had a rough night, right? And you rolled up and you clicked on and you're watching. And I've got great news. Jesus welcomes you wherever you are. And this is great news for us. That's a reason to have joy. Think about this. Why did Jesus show up to these shepherds and wise men and parents living in poverty? Well, this is pretty obvious, right? And Paul tells us that for our sakes, though Jesus was rich, for our sakes, he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might experience the riches of God. We know why Jesus was born into a feeding trough that animals ate out of, right? We know why he brought shepherds to the scene. We know why he was born into poverty because he wants us to know that this is for the down and outers. This is for the social outcasts, the untouchables. And there are some rich people that show up as well. They've got some gold with them, right? They've got some oils and, right, they've got some resources. And so there's rich people there. There's poor people there. This is for everybody. And that is great news. That's a reason to celebrate. And didn't that continue throughout Jesus' life? I mean, who are the people he loved to hang out with the most? Prostitutes, the villains of the day, like the, the tax collectors, even murderers, he, he welcomes them all. And so this is good news for us this morning, that wherever we are, we can come in to the presence of God because this is good news, great joy, because it's for all the people. Okay, the next reason why you can have joy in Matthew 1, 21, it says, it, it, it says that she, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And this is like, this point is Captain Obvious. You're like, you get paid to figure this stuff out? Yeah, it's, check it out. Point number two, why you can have joy? Jesus saves sinners. Jesus saves sinners. Here's what's so great about this. The first part of Matthew is like, here's what you need to know about Christmas. Jesus, that's his name. What's the name of the baby? Jesus. Like his, the whole purpose is summarized in his name. Now, here's what that means. If you're new to church, um, or if you're not new to church, you didn't know this. The name Jesus, Yeshua, it's like the, the name Joshua. That's the same thing in in Hebrew, in the original language, Yeshua, it means God is, or Yahweh, Yeshua, Yahweh is my salvation. So God is my salvation. God, save us. You could, you could say it almost as a prayer. God, save us. So imagine this. Joseph, your son 
You're going to name him Jesus. You're going to name your son God to the rescue. That's, that's what it means. God to the rescue. Like the whole purpose of his life and his coming is found in his very name, Jesus. And here's what's great about this. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you never stop needing this. Like this point is always good news. This is always good news for us. And I don't know about you, but I, have you ever had this happen where you like wake up at three in the morning? This seems to be happening a lot more to me recently. And it's just like, you have these thoughts. Like you just don't have rational thoughts at 3 a.m. And generally they tend to be very condemning thoughts. Like, I can't believe this. I, Mark, I can't believe you, dot, dot, dot. Dude, you are such a failure. You, and all of a sudden these, these overwhelming thoughts Maybe it's fears, anxiety about things that are coming up. And you're just overwhelmed. And you're saying, I don't know what to pray in those moments. I don't know how to pray. Well, here's how to pray. Just say his name. His name is the prayer. Jesus, God save me. We can, anyone can do that, right? And so that is another reason we can have joy this morning because Jesus saves sinners. That's what his name means. Okay, the third one is John 14. And I know we're jumping around to different scripture and it's not what we usually do, but, but I think it's important for us to see this, this thread of joy um, through the life of Jesus. But John 14, right before he goes to the cross, he says this to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Here's the third reason why you can have joy this morning. Jesus is preparing your eternal home. Jesus is preparing your eternal home. This is why he tells his disciples, hey guys, listen, I'm going, it's going to get ugly, right? But don't worry because I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus, and we actually find out in Hebrews chapter 12 that this was Jesus' way of himself enduring the cross. He applied this to himself as he was going through the cross. In Hebrews 12, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It means that Jesus was able to see through the suffering into the other side. He was able to see the heavenly city and he kept his focus on the prize. This would be like a, an Olympic athlete like running a long race and the whole time they're just imagining themselves standing on the podium with a gold medal and their national anthem playing. It's like they just see that moment and they just keep going because they're not focused on the pain, but they just see through to what's on the other side. They see the glory through the suffering. Now, some of you are like, Mark, uh, you already talked about the heavenly city two weeks ago on Hope, remember? Uh, can you give us some new content? We're ready to move on from the heavenly city. Here's just my job, okay? Here's my job. My job is to keep alive in you the desire for your true 
country. Like this is one of my primary objectives as a pastor, that every week you come and you are reminded about the good news of the grace of God and you're reminded about the heavenly city and that you could endure anything to keep alive in you that desire for your true country, which you will not find until death. And to keep that alive in your souls. So, when you step into this eternal home that Jesus is preparing, Isaiah 35 tells us what your response is going to be. I just want to bring this back to this idea of the joy that will overtake you. Isaiah 35, 10. It says, the ransomed of the Lord will return. The ransomed, that's, that's us. Those are the people that have been bought out of slavery. They're going to return and they're going to come to Zion with singing. Zion is the heavenly city. They're going to come with singing crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Is that the most amazing thing you've heard this week? You're gonna come into the heavenly city and there's gonna be singing and all of a sudden joy is gonna overtake you. Wow, that's amazing cupcake party for adults, whatever that is, like the most amazing thing you've ever experienced. And you're, that's like, that is how your story ends or begins, however you want to look at it. Like it's not death, it's not suffering, this is not the end, right? That's where your life begins in a way. That is amazing. So here's the bottom line. Everything I've been saying is summarized in this simple statement that if you have found Jesus, then you have found joy. If you have found Jesus, then you have found joy. Like, you have joy. So, if you don't know Jesus and you don't have Jesus this morning, you need to receive him. You need to receive him. And Jesus tells us, a little story about what happens when people receive him. Matthew 13, 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man, that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. I love that statement. In his joy... This person uh, who just found a field with this treasure in it, he goes, sells everything to get that field. In his joy, he liquidates everything to get the treasure. All of a sudden, his career, achievements, dreams, just liquidated all of it because he found the treasure. Jesus is saying, that's what people do when they find me. They are glad to lose their life 
because they have found it in me. This is the principle, like, if you try to go after life and grab joy and get joy without God, you are going to lose your life. There are people living in mansions overlooking the ocean, and for them, their mansion is like a big old prison because they don't have joy. And they've given their whole life to getting joy without Jesus, and they lost it all. They have nothing. But if you have Jesus, you have joy. You have everything that you need. This is the good news of great joy. Jesus is the treasure. If you found him, you found joy. Let me just end with this, a couple things on how to cultivate joy. You know what it means to cultivate? Like when this, you cultivate the soil, you're, you're preparing it. You're getting the soil ready. You're doing things like you can't make the plants grow. You can't make the crops grow, but you can give it good soil to grow in, right? So how do you, this is like fertilizing. How do you fertilize joy, right? Well, here it is. Just a few things uh, from my week. Um, the first thing on how, this is just some stuff from my life. So number one is share the good news about Jesus. I'm telling you, this is one of the things that is sure to restoke joy in your soul. And I see Clint over here giving the head nod. This is true, isn't it? Like, this is why you guys are, they're in January, they're going, uh, they're, uh, a team is going to start a, uh, a work in Bangkok, Thailand, and it's awesome. But you get around these people and they're sharing Jesus with everybody, right? Taxi cab driver, Waiter, waitress, anyone, just sharing the good news. And what happens when you share the good news with someone else? Something happens in you because you're like, oh, this is amazing. This week, right out there in the foyer on Friday, I had the opportunity to talk to a woman whose husband had passed away. Uh, she's not a part of Veritas Church, um, lives in the Des Moines area and actually uh, drove here um, with my father-in-law, brought her because she had some questions. We sat there in the foyer. I listened to her, her tell her kind of her life story and spiritual journey, which there wasn't a lot of to her spiritual journey. I mean, she remembered going to church as a little girl, but not a lot in between. And now she's in her mid-70s. I had the opportunity to tell her about the good news about Jesus. That though she's in her mid-70s and hasn't really lived for God at all, that she could be sure that she could be with God forever in heaven. And that she's no different from me, even though I've given most of my life to serving Jesus. Like, that's the grace of God is that it doesn't really matter. You just give your life to Jesus, repent of your sin, trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. We just walked through the gospel, and we got to the end. I said, would you like me to 
help you pray a prayer to accept Jesus? Or would you rather just take some time to think about this? She's like, oh no, I want to pray. And I just helped her pray. I said, there's nothing magical about these words. I'm just like, God, you created me. I sinned. I turned away from you and I believe in Jesus. Just a simple prayer and then I let her kind of pray in her own words. I don't know, might, might have been the first time she's ever prayed out loud like that. And you guys, I can't tell you how much joy filled my heart. And to even think about, there's joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. This, it's an amazing thing. And you know, a lot of times you can share with people and it's not, it doesn't always end like that, right? Most of the times they're like, nah, don't want that. But when a sinner turns to Jesus, it's one of the most amazing things. So this is a time when many of you are going home, college students, you're gonna be heading home for Christmas. Uh, some of you are watching online, maybe you are at home already. And this is a time when people are lonely, scared, anxious. You can just ask them a question like, hey, in these uncertain times, what gives you hope? Just a simple question, right? You're not just genuinely trying to draw someone out. What, what is your source of joy during times when everything's getting canceled? There's not a lot of things to look forward to. Like what gives you joy or what gives you hope in these times? And just listen to them. And if there's opportunity or share the good news about Jesus. You can share uh, the good news about Jesus with someone who's already a Christian. This week I was uh, talking to one of our connection group leaders and we were in a conversation and I just made this statement, something to, to the effect of, you know, the fact that we as Christians believe we will live forever, that kind of changes how we experience a pandemic, right? Our belief in the resurrection changes our mindset about how we go through a hard time like this. And he said, you know, that reminds me of something. It reminds me of why I came to know Jesus because when I was little, I was afraid of like lightning and thunderstorms. And I remember hearing the story about Jesus calmed the storm. So I gave my life to Jesus as a little kid. And he was not from a Christian family at all. And as he told that, as we just started talking about our hope of the resurrection, all of a sudden, my heart got filled with joy. I'm like, yes, that's what Jesus does. Jesus is in our boat, calming storms. He is with us. Just like sharing the good news with each other fills us with joy. Let's remind each other of the joy that we have The second thing, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Here's another way to cultivate or fertilize your joy is this point. Worship through music. Worship through music. I made a playlist this week. 
It's just called Joy. And a couple of the songs that are in my playlist are songs that my dad, I grew up listening to. And as a kid, he'd always go, Mark, you gotta listen to these songs. And he'd play like, Yesu Joy of Man's Desiring or the Hallelujah Chorus. And as a kid, I'm like, come on, right? Just get through this. And I listened to it this week on my headphones and I just was like looking at the words, like maybe a lyric video to Handel's Messiah and the Hallelujah Chorus. And my heart almost exploded with joy. It's like, this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is creating in me joy, right? One of the songs that's been getting me through uh, the last few months is that song, Is He Worthy? Just listening to that song and reminding myself, this is so important for us, church, to worship Jesus through music. And music is more accessible than it's ever been. Okay, now with the danger of over-spiritualizing, hey, you need to tell people about Jesus and, and worship through music, uh, this one's gonna get pretty earthy. Okay, here it is. Deuteronomy 16, 15. I think this is so cool. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to get together for these like week-long parties. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 16. He says, you are to hold a seven-day festival for the Lord your God in the place he chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in the work of your hands and you will have abundant joy. I think this is so cool that God's like, he wants his people to have joy. So you know what he does? You need to get together for a week and just have a party. You need to have joy. You need to celebrate. Now, you're like, Mark, you're telling us this when we're not supposed to get together and have parties, okay? So, but here's the point. God understands that things like food and friends are important and are a critical part of your joy. In fact, there's a, in 2 Chronicles 30, during this King Hezekiah, they, they had one of these festivals, a Passover festival, and it was so good for a week, he said, we're gonna go another week. And they had another week of partying and joy. And the reason is, he says, because when you do this, you will have abundant joy. This third point is pretty simple. I think you can apply this one. Worship through eating good food with friends. This is a way to cultivate joy, is to worship through eating good food with friends. Notice the point is not just eat good food with friends. It's worship through that. Listen to Psalm 104, 14 through 15. It says, he causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth, wine that makes human hearts glad, making his face shine with oil, and bread that sustains human hearts. Isn't that so cool that that's in the Bible? Bread, wine, food coming from the earth. Proverbs 27, 9 says, Oil and incense bring joy to the heart and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. Oil and incense bring joy to the heart. There's something even in 
a smell that just brings joy to your heart. And you know what's important? When you experience beauty in like food or something you smell or friendships, it's important that you acknowledge that it's from the Lord. God invented it. And just receive it as a gift from the Lord. And finally, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay, so the last point here is just eat some good food, enjoy it with good friends or family. Something a couple weeks ago that was pretty sad, I was um, actually at Salt Company and I was talking to, to someone uh, who was there, this young man, and he was telling me that... Um, I was like, oh, what are your Thanksgiving plans? He's like, well, actually, uh, my parents don't want me to come home for Thanksgiving. And so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, my word. I'm on the verge of inviting him. You know, hey, we'll find a place. He's like, oh, don't worry. I had like three people already in Veritas invite me into their homes for Thanksgiving. There was also an older woman uh, that I found out about that that was kind of in a similar situation because her kids didn't want to get together with her for Thanksgiving. So it was kind of a weird time, right? Here's, here's what I'm saying. Young or old, here's the thing. This is a time where it can highlight, like the holidays can highlight loneliness or loss. And it's very important that if you don't want to be alone, you should not be alone. I'm saying this as the church. Like fundamentally, we are a family, okay? And I'm not saying get together and party and have all the, like I understand the time that we're in, but I'm just saying if you're lonely and you don't want to be alone, I want you to reach out to us and we will find a way for you to not be alone. This is so important during this time. I've talked to And I know and understand that what loneliness and isolation is doing to people. And I want to say we are a family church. And one of the ways that you experience joy is through the companionship and the presence of other believers and other people. So with that, I want to to pray for us and I want to ask God to, to help us here. Jesus, thank you that you put your purpose into your name. God, save us. God, we believe that this is good news of great joy, but we don't always feel that it's good news of great joy. So this morning, I pray that you will do the miraculous thing that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. This is not something we can manufacture and produce in ourselves. So do the miraculous work of bringing joy, flooding our souls with joy. I pray this in your name, amen.